Well, how can it be that Australia has more statues of animals than it does women? Out of hundreds of public statues in Melbourne, less than 5% of women, and some of them aren't even real people. Sydney doesn't fare much better with 6%. So why is it that our blokes and our animals are memorialised in stone, but not our women? And frankly, who should be immortalised in statue form around Australia? Perhaps we should be tearing statues down and completely rethinking our public art and landscapes. I'd love to know your thoughts and who you think should be sculpted and put on display around the country. The text line is 0418 or you can tweet me at RN Drive. And here are some of your thoughts. The female physicians and surgeons who established the Queen Victoria Hospital deserves statues. That's one. Keep letting me know your thoughts on that text line. Well, Melbourne City Council is looking to address this issue. It's meeting next week to ensure that at least three new statues of women are commissioned. Pushing this along is advocacy group A Monument of One's Own and its co-convener, Professor Claire Wright, also historian from La Trobe University, joins me now. Welcome to RN Drive, Claire. Hi, Catherine. So when was this first brought to your attention that there was such disparity between male and female statues in Australia? I first got interested in this issue when I was keen to see a statue of the feminist campaigner Zelda DiPrano. I uh, was actually making a history podcast for Radio National and looking at that iconic photograph of Zelda DiPrano chaining herself to the front of the Commonwealth buildings in 1969 as part of an equal pay protest claim. And it was it's an iconic photo. And, and at the time I said, who would like to see a statue of Zelda DiPrano on the spot of her protest so that we can have a lasting tribute to the activism that she was engaged in and, and also a reminder that the issues that she stood for are still not solved. We still have a gender pay gap, obviously. Mm, mm. And I, I just w- was inundated uh, with responses um, uh, through social media saying, yes, we need to see more of this. And and so I started doing a little bit of research and, and realised that not only was there not a statue of Zelda, there were, and not only there was there not a statue of all sorts of women who I might have thought were were worthy, incredible women uh, to be commemorated on our city streets, but in fact this was a massive gender gap uh, in terms of representation, and that this was not just an issue of my city of Melbourne but nationwide in Australia and indeed a global issue. Oh, yeah. Well, tell me about that global issue. So it's not just unique to Sydney or Melbourne. You're seeing this the world over. Oh, gosh, yeah, no, this is, this is a global issue and, and, uh, and, uh, and our group, A Monument of One's Own, is really the Australian chapter, in a sense, of a global movement to address this issue of statue inequality and commemorative injustice. So there are campaigns going in New York and in London and Milan and all around the world to to reverse this uh, situation in which um, statues, you know, we, we've become familiar with the idea that statues are being pulled down around the world mm. because so many of the men who have been immortalised are you know, really symbols of white supremacy and colonialism. And there are very strong reasons why people want to bring them down from their pedestals. But there is also this equal thrust and and desire to see more people 
on statues, but a more diverse range of people on pedestals, women, First Nations, migrants, so that our city streets are more reflective of the actual populations who live in our metropolises and in our regional areas. I mean, you've just touched on this, and particularly with Zelda's story, but why do you think we need more women cast in stone or metal and put on display in public? How does that help change a community's narrative or indeed a national or global narrative? Okay, I think there are a couple of reasons there. One of One of them is just part of the, the the push generally over the last 30 years to close the gender gap in all sorts of forms of representation, uh, visibility, and, um, and, and women taking up space, whether that's in boardrooms or in the judiciary or in parliaments, uh, in the media. So women who have positions of influence, of authority, of credibility. And, and that is something that obviously there are there are a lot of effort has gone into and some things like, you know, the Labor Party have had quotas and there are arguments about whether positive discrimination or affirmative action works to close those gender gaps. Mm. So there's just on the one level, you know, if we're going to have those areas of our public life where this sort of activism and and um, and reversal of past practices is is exists, why not also in our cultural life? Why mm. not in our arts and culture and practice? And so that that's one reason. It's it's one just of basically of of justice and equity. Mm. Another reason is one of I would call it truth telling. To to use a, a term that the Uluru Statement is encouraging us to think about, it's actually a matter of historical veracity. I mean, one of the things that we, that happens when. All that we see when we walk down our city streets and walk through our parks and gardens and walk down our country avenues of honour is when all we see is men on plinths, Mm. we get the false impression that men are the only ones who have done anything significant or remarkable in the past that has been worthy of community veneration Mm. or or valuing. And that's that's a false notion of our history. Mm. Well, which Australian women do you want to see immortalised in statue form? Let me know on the text line 0418 or tweet me at rndrive. Brett has uh, texted in saying, Catherine, after 70 years in Melbourne, I've never consciously recognised or stopped to note who the statues are throughout the city. They're just there. I have, however, purposely visited the long-term premiers at Treasury, the PMs in Ballarat Gardens and the MCG forecourt. Let's have a policy for the future, not attempting to rectify past contexts. Professor Claire Wright is co-convener of the advocacy group A Monument of one zone and she's with you right now on RN Drive. Claire, do you think that maybe the way to fix this inequality is perhaps not to erect any more statues, but to invest more, say, money in public art produced by women on First Nations people? I would like to to reinforce what your last listener just said. Mm. Uh, I think that it's not about reversing uh, the past and past depictions. I mean, I think one thing about public statuary is it very much comes out of a colonial tradition, and there are reasons why we are at the at the point that we are now. That you know, there's there's patriarchy, there's white supremacy, but there's also just past art practices. 
I think what we need to do is not tear statues down. A lot of people get very hot under the collar about the idea that you're going to start going and and, um, and ripping down statues of men and that it's going to be, you know, yet um, another blow that, that blokes are going to have to counter these days. Um, I've had, I've said, had a, a bit of nasty mail coming my way today in that regard. It's not about a zero-sum game where where you have to erase one aspect of our history. It's about evening it up. So I do think that more public money needs to be spent on our city landscape so we can see that women were always part of the fabric of our civic culture. And I think the most prominent way of doing that is through uh, an art format and a medium that people understand to be one of significance and and cultural authority and importance. That idea that, yes, you walk down the streets and you don't notice who the statues are. I think that's true to an extent. You don't necessarily walk up to every statue and know who those blokes are or even notice them. But subliminally, you get the message. Little girls and little boys walking through our streets get the message that men are visible and they take up space and women are invisible and they're supposed to not take up space, Mm. that they exist in the shadows, that they exist somewhere else, which is not in public. And I think the message gets absorbed by all of us that women were, as I said before, didn't do anything important or interesting or valuable or nation building um, or heroic or celebratory or worthy of our celebration Mm. in the past. But it also gives the message that they aren't doing that now. And and then I and I think that who makes who we are who is seen to make history in the past gives us very strong messages about who is going to make history in the future. Mm. So that if people know that someone like Zelda DiPrano was an activist and did change the course of a, a generation of activism. She was at the forefront of the women's liberation movement into the 1970s. That might give inspiration and hope to a new generation of activists who can see the things that the women who came before them Mm, did. mm. And that includes settler colonial women, indigenous women, migrant women. We're not not just talking about whitewashing our streets with a new set of of statues of of white women. It's not a C-suite issue. Right. It's a fascinating conversation. I'm looking forward to seeing what might pop up in my uh, local area. But for now, uh, Claire, thank you so much. Cheers. Thanks for the opportunity. Professor Claire Wright is co-convener of A Monument of One's Own, also a historian from La Trobe University. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.